What's it like to move from Damascus to California when you've never been to the U.S.? How does Syrian culture differ from culture in the United States? How do you turn a feeling of helplessness into a passion for helping vulnerable patient populations? How does it feel to be starting medical school with your best friend from undergrad? And finally, how does one turn a fear of public speaking into a talent for teaching in large lectures? Today on Talking Admissions and Med Student Life, I interview Fadi, a first-year medical student here at the University of Utah School of Medicine. Helping you prepare for one of the most rewarding careers in the world. This is Talking Admissions and Med Student Life with your host, the Dean of Admissions at the University of Utah School of Medicine, Dr. Benjamin Chan. Well, welcome to another edition of Talking Admissions and Med Student Life. We've got Fadi, an incoming student. Hello, Fadi. Hello, Dr. Chan. We're so excited to have you. And you have a fascinating story. We're chatting a little bit because we had some technical problems. But Fadi, like, let's start in the beginning. Where were you born? I was born in Saudi Arabia. Saudi Arabia. And yeah. how long did you live there? Uh, I lived there my first four years of life, and then I uh, went back to Syria, where I come from. Syria. And is there a city in Syria? or? Uh, yeah, Damascus. Uh, Damascus. Okay. Awesome. And so, and then you grew up in um, Syria for many years. And then, as I understand it, you left. Yes. Uh, I left in 2015. What's that process like? I mean, like... Was it stressful? Was it like a lottery? I mean, how how that happen? Or did you have family in the U.S.? Yeah, yeah. So I um, I applied for a student visa after uh, high school, and I was uh, able to get the student visa. So I first came uh, to the U.S. on an F one visa, which is a student visa. Mm-hmm. And then in 2016, uh, my family and I applied. To, uh, sorry, um, interviewed to get the green card, which we applied for in 2003. Uh, so yeah, 13 years later. Took 13 years. Huh? Yeah, we were able to. Um, get the uh, green card. And what, why the United States? Was there a particular reason? Because I know you, like there's a lot of different countries. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I have a huge family in California. My mm-hmm. aunts and uncles and their children and grandchildren. And um, yeah, so um, it, it it would be nice to um, you know be able to visit whenever. Um, so you've been you've been to the U.S. before you? I have not. No. But before you, this whole process, mm-hmm. never set foot in the U.S. No. Fascinating. <laughs> Yeah. Was it? Did it give you anxiety or? Yeah, I mean, you know, traveling to a different country, I was certainly um, nervous. It's the fear of the unknown, but mm-hmm. um, I was also excited about being able to have better opportunities for education. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So where did you end up after Syria? Where did they send you to? Yeah, so I first, uh, so I was looking for affordable universities that are also good, and I ended up in the University of South Dakota. South Dakota. Yeah. So from Damascus. <laughs> To South Dakota. I yeah. can't. What's the capital of South? Bismarck? No, that's North Dakota. No, I think the capital of South Dakota Saint is... St. Pierre? No. Um, this is I want to say Rapid City or... Yeah. All, yeah. My, all my listeners in South Dakota are Yeah. Well, are I'm sorry. I, I don't know what the capital of South Dakota is, but I was in Vermilion, where the University of South Dakota is, um, at the um, southeast. What was that like to kind of jump from two different cultures, two different systems? Yeah, it's... And you I were like 16, 17 when this happened? 19. 19, okay. Yeah. Uh, so it's uh, it's interesting. A lot of people would you know would assume that I'm going to have a culture shock um, because they're very different cultures and they are. But I feel like since Hollywood Hollywood movies are very you know common and um, ubiquitous, every every person around the world has an expectation of what the culture looks like. Mm-hmm. So I wasn't really you know shocked by anything um, as in a culture shock, but mm-hmm. I was fascinated by some things. Um, yeah, it's 
I was fascinated by the buttons that open doors at the entrance of every building, um, mm. which is, you know, out of all things, why would someone be fascinated by that? But uh, it's not so much the technology as um, as much as uh, the concept of it. Um, you know, if you're on a wheelchair in Syria, your life has basically ended. You know, mm. you need someone to take care of you. You can't enter um, buildings because not all buildings have ramps. Um, we don't have any equivalent of ADA regulations in Syria. So mm-hmm. just the idea that you can be on a wheelchair here and still pursue an education or have a job is, is fascinating for me. Mm-hmm. And I perceive, and again, I've never been to the Middle East, nor have I been to Syria, but I've been to South Dakota, very wide open, not a lot of people. Uh, was that a big jump too? Because I imagine the Middle East, there's a lot more people in a very kind of smaller, tight space. Yeah. I mean, what, did it feel weird to not, I mean, like the lack of crowds. I just imagine... You know, Syria a lot more crowded, or yeah. am, I, am I misperceiving it? Yeah, I mean, no, there are there are areas in Syria that are less crowded. I mean, there are ru- rural areas, there are um, uh, urban areas, but yeah, Damascus is it's true. Damascus is the capital, so mm. you know, millions of people live there, and it was it's a really big city. And um, I moved to Vermilion, so. Uh, just to put it in perspective, the population of Vermilion is less than the enrollment at the University of Utah. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, it was an interesting move. And, uh, you know, I come from a small village in Syria originally, which I go to every summer. Mm-hmm. Um, I used to go to every summer. Um, so I know, I also know what to expect in such a setting. But it's um, it's also interesting. I feel like every place has its ups and downs. You know, a uh, city has more opportunities, but a rural area is more calm and peaceful and has clean air, mm-hmm. which is, you know, a very still a very true comparison between Salt Lake City and Vermilion, you know, um, opportunities versus calm, peaceful, and clean air. Did uh, Did you know anyone in South Dakota? I mean, did your family go with you? Or? No, no. I, so you're by yourself? Yeah. Wow. I arrived there alone. Yeah. It's colder, though, in the winter. Yeah. It, it, I mean, it depends on how you define, define colder. It's okay. negative 30 degrees. Is I, I define yeah. that as cold. Yeah. <laughs> that sounds frigid. Yeah. Sub-zero. I was, zero, I was just kidding. Yeah. It is very yeah. cold, yeah. So, and it sounds like you just picked South Dakota because it was, what I dare say, like the cheapest or the most affordable. Yeah. Because you kind of alluded to that. Yeah. Yeah, it was it was um, the most affordable um, university. If I did not want to go to a community college, mm-hmm. um, it was probably the most affordable university for its ranking. It's it's also a very good school. So mm-hmm. um, fascinating. Yeah. yeah. And then when did you? I mean, and, and, you know, going back, like, what was it like growing up in Syria? Um, I mean, before the war, it was normal. I mm-hmm. you know I had I had friends. We I used to go to school. Um, People used to go to their jobs. Everything was good. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I, I mean, I never had, I never had the idea of um, going outside. But mm-hmm. you know, when the war started, everyone starts looking for opportunities outside because mm-hmm. you can't guarantee that tomorrow is going to be just like today. You know, yeah. Um, yeah, you never know what the future is holding. So if you're able to find an opportunity elsewhere, that w- that was an opportunity someone wanted to take. It sounds like a lot of people, just from what I know, and we're not going to go into the details, but. Um, I think globally, you look at conflict, and it starts creating this uncertainty. Yeah. And and strife and unrest and you know again I you know I I felt very lucky in my life I've never lived through circumstances like that but I when I read people like you know it becomes like oh how do I get to point A to point B you know safely like and then 
food supplies start getting, you know, and then prices start going kind of wonky. So, yeah. you know, so not only from a personal safety standpoint, but then you start thinking, oh, like, how do I, like, what am I going to do for my career? You know, exactly. like, like, what, like, what is the infrastructure, is the infrastructure starting to fray and come yeah. apart? So it sounds like a little bit, like, well, it sounds like it definitely started happening in Syria. No, that's yeah. true. And I mean, right now, um, uh, I mean, we were just talking about, uh, about this before, um, before we started the podcast that. It, it got a little safer um, mm-hmm. towards the middle of 2018, mm-hmm. but right now people—I mean, at least in my area where I where I uh, grew up in Damascus—people uh, are not afraid for their lives anymore because the war kind of ended there. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's all the financial aftermath. Uh, everything's more expensive. You know, a dollar was 50 Syrian pounds before the the crisis. Now it's 600. Mm. Uh, while the salaries did not change, they're still in Syrian pounds. So people. People there are earning 12 times less than they used to before the war. Um, so it's just the financial aftermath, you know, um, like lack of um, lack of fuel, lack of electricity, lack of um, sometimes medicine. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah, it's um, it, it creates this uncertainty, as you as you yeah. said. You know, are you sure that you have? A good f- future in uh, such circumstances, and where does it? When does it end? Uh, so yeah, that's that's one of the um, that's one of the forces that pushed people outside. Yeah. Did you start thinking about becoming a doctor back then? I mean, when did that start in your life? Yeah, it's <laughs> it's really hard to pinpoint uh, the, the moment when I decided that I wanted to be a doctor, but I can trace the roots to a very young age. I mean, I come from a culture where they teach you from a very young age that you can either be a doctor, an engineer, or a failure. Like, you know, <laughs> so these are... So the three options. Yeah, 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 you have three options, yeah. plenty of options, pick one. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, I don't... You know, I don't think that cultural influence was one of the big reasons I decided to become a doctor because as I started growing up um, and started learning a little bit more about life, I understood that a job is something that you're going to be doing for somewhere around half of your life expectancy. Mm -hmm. So, you know, if you're surviving that uh, rather than enjoying that, then you pretty much wasted your life. So I wanted to do something that I'm really interested in, something that I uh, wanted to do. And um, when the war started, just all the death that was going on, um, you know, I'm one of the lucky ones that did not lose a family member or a close friend mm-hmm. uh, or a close friend. But I have close friends who lost family members or close friends. Uh, so it was it was in the vicinity. All of this, you know, I was just lucky not to have died. It was mm-hmm. it was very random. Um, so. I, I kind of mentioned this in my personal statement, even that um, I felt helpless because you know there was nothing I could do as a high school student uh, mm-hmm. in such circumstances. So it just created this feeling that I don't want to feel helpless again. I want to feel useful. Uh, so that's kind of my selfish reason of mm-hmm. why I want to be a doctor. Um, but other reasons came as I had my you know uh, experiences as an undergrad uh, when I came here. Uh, it was kind of clear for me that I wanted to go either for an MD or a PhD mm-hmm. because both ways uh, would equally, you know, uh, maybe not equally, but you know, both ways would lead to would lead me to a position where I can um, improve the human quality of life. Um, so um, my experiences just. You know, I, I did research as an undergrad, I worked with people, I worked with patients, and I just realized that I'm more committed to working with patients, mm-hmm. um, although I really enjoyed research and I know I want to keep doing research. So it sounds like you've had this dream for a while. There's no specific aha moment. Mm-hmm. Um, 
But do you think you would have stayed in Syria and become a Syrian physician if the war had never happened? Or is that a tough question? It is a tough question because, you know, even um, even before the war, uh, some people would go to medical school in Syria and then uh, do their, uh, you know, their residency outside. Okay. So that was an option. Uh, mm-hmm. It was just not, you know, it was not in my mind as a high school student. Um, mm-hmm. But... Who knows? Maybe yeah. if, you know, by the time I've, I got to med school and finished med school, I would have specialized somewhere else. But, uh, yeah, I think I, I would have gone to, I would have finished medical school in Syria. Okay. Interesting. All right. So you get to South Dakota. You're doing good. You're doing good. How did you end up in Utah? Because, yeah. again, it's like a fascinating journey for Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, so my sister finished medical school in Syria mm-hmm. and uh, came to the U.S. to do her residency. So she was doing medical rotations and uh, uh, research um, at a couple of places. And um, the plan was wherever she gets in for residency, I'll transfer. And she got into the U for the radiology program, and I transferred here to oh, live cool. with her. Yeah. So I, uh, I transferred here after my sophomore year. So I came here for my junior year mm-hmm. uh, at the U. And then again, uh, and your sister is the only person you knew in Utah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, I, I basically moved here to live with her. Okay, so yeah. So your education just kept on going further west. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> went to the mountains. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, uh, so sorry, I interrupted. Go on. Yeah, no, that's yeah. okay. Yeah, so I moved here. I lived with her for a year, and then she got married and uh, moved to live with her husband in um, uh, Michigan. So she transferred to Wayne State, uh, but I stayed here. That's good. Yeah. <laughs> and then you, and then what did you get your degree in? Uh, biology. Biology. So what kind of activities, I mean, were you, what kind of activities did you do to prepare yourself for the med school application outside of biology? Because I know you've been very involved in research, but I know you've done some other cool things too. Yeah. Um, so most, most of my experiences just felt like one led to the other. Um, and I feel like, that's for me that's the right way to do it like when you start when you start medical school you're told that um, it's really competitive so there are some boxes you need to check and I'm guilty of starting my journey with box checking because you know I did not know better but even the experiences that I had trying to check boxes were uh, very um, you know eye-opening and um, they were all important for me as an immigrant trying to learn more about the culture um, mm-hmm. in the U.S. and trying to learn English. Uh, so, um, uh, yeah, I, I can give you an example of how sure. you know, an experience yeah. led to another. Mm-hmm. So uh, in my freshman year, I had a speech class. And uh, when I was giving my first speech, I realized that I have a problem with public speaking. Mm. Uh, I would just, you know, get nervous. I would uh, turn red. My heart would start beating. And I felt like I need to solve this. Like, I can't carry on like this. Um, so I uh, applied to become uh, a supplemental instruction leader. Um, so mm-hmm. I held uh, help sessions for general chemistry during my sophomore year. I just felt like that's a job that would force me to hold three sessions every week um, lecturing or facilitating group learning for a group of students. So that's public speaking. I, I just decided to force myself into that fear. And uh, it worked greatly. I, you know, I started having about 10 to 15 students and I would get nervous. But, you know, it was like systematic desensitization. You know, I was forced to be in that um, position speaking publicly to students. Um, And by the end of my second semester, I was having sessions with 80 students um, with no problems. So, 
Um, so you turned a weakness into a strength, almost. Yeah, yeah, yeah almost. Um, and not only that, like my my initial goal was to solve my public speaking problem, but I realized that I have a passion for teaching. Mm-hmm. It's just that when I when I see a student getting it, this light bulb moment, I just feel so happy. So um, when I transferred to the U, uh, I applied to become a tutor. Uh, just because I was planning to start studying for the MCAT during my junior year, so I wanted something with um, uh, less time commitment. Mm-hmm. So I did not do supplemental instruction, I did tutoring, which turned out to be very different because as a supplemental instruction, I needed to explain things in a way that made sense to most of the students in my session. While as a tutor, I have one student, so if I don't explain things in a way that makes sense to this one person, then I've failed my, you know... Um, my mission. So mm-hmm. uh, th- there was much more um, uh, diagnosis, if you will, um, as a tutor than as a supplemental instruction mm-hmm. leader. Yeah. Well, I remember, Fadi, you had a very impressive application. And you're, I mean, I remember you very passionately about helping vulnerable patient populations, had some great research, and then you used to have a, have a cool story. And plus, you had, you're, you're a really good test taker, too. I can say that, too. Right? <laughs> kind of, yeah. Yeah. Um, what compelled you to stay? Because it sounds like you didn't really have any connection to Utah anymore. I mean, I, I assume you cast a big net. I mean, how many schools did you apply to? I mean, did you, were you looking at Michigan to rejoin your sister? Or? Yeah, no, yeah. I, I applied. I applied to the U. I applied actually to sixteen uh, schools. Okay. Um, I yeah, I chose the U for so many reasons. How many? How many? How many interviews did you get? Um, can we not talk about that? Oh, okay. <laughs> at least one. Yeah, at least yeah. one. I mean, all you need is one acceptance. So yeah. Why not? yeah. All right, all right. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, so I, I have so many reasons to go to the U, actually. Um, uh, first of all, the quality of education. Um, I, so as an undergraduate biology major here, I was required to take upper division um, uh, biology courses. So mm-hmm. I took basic immunology, which is a 5,000-level class. Um, and it was a taste of, or at least for me, it was a taste of what grad school um, at the U is like. Mm-hmm. Uh, that class was simply fascinating. It was the best class I've taken in college, the most interesting class I've taken in college. We had about 12 professors. Each of them uh, taught the topic that they do research on. So we learned about B-cells from an expert on B-cells, mm-hmm. someone who's researches on B-cells. We learned about T-cells from an expert on T-cells and so on. So these professors, I mean, they were so confident and so passionate about what they're talking about mm-hmm. to a point where I felt like if this is what grad school education looks like at the U, then I would like to get some, <laughs> you know. Um, yeah, I don't know if we can mention names, but uh, sure. professors like uh, Dr. Tom Lane, Dr. Mm-hmm. Uh, Dean Tanton. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I, I, I really enjoyed attending these, these lectures. So uh, uh, it just just gave me the idea that the quality of education here, especially in in grad school, um, is is wonderful. Another, you know, I have other reasons to believe that the quality of education in grad school here is great. My uh, PI, who is probably the best PI that has ever existed, mm-hmm. <laughs> shout out to Dr. Alana. Well, um, you know, I know she teaches in um, in the medical school here as well. She teaches uh, some lectures, so um, that's another reason to believe that. Um, the quality of education is great because I love Dr. Alana. Well, she's she's a great, um, mm-hmm. great PI and I believe a great lecturer. 
Yeah, uh, so that's uh, that's the quality of education part. Um, I also believe that if you want to go to to such a difficult um, program like an, uh, a medical program. Um, you need some sort of uh, support system. Mm -hmm. So I only apply to places where I have family or friends. Okay. And it turns out that I'm starting in August with my best friend, who mm -hmm. is starting medical school here at the U together. Um, Who's your best friend? James Sal. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, Did you meet him in Nagra? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, we met in uh, physics lab, probably okay. my second day at the U. Okay. That's good. <laughs> yeah. So it sounds like you didn't know anyone here but your sister, but it sounds like you found a community. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It sounds like you're pretty happy. I'm very happy here. Yeah. Yeah. And Salt Lake City is a beautiful place. Mm -hmm. uh, they use a great university and lots of opportunities. So Yeah. And I would argue, like, you know, despite what's going on nationally in our country and across the world, I think Utah has always welcomed immigrants and people from different cultures and yeah. faiths in a way that makes people feel welcome. Do you do you agree or no I or, agree. I, totally I don't know if you have any really cool or embarrassing Utah stories. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's. I mean, no, I, I totally agree. Um, it's it's a very welcoming community. I you know, uh, I I do feel welcome here, and I mm -hmm. do feel like I belong. Mm -hmm. Yeah, great. All right, so um, I'm not going to hold you to it, but if I had to make you pick right now, what kind of doctor do you want to be, and why? So again, I'm not going to hold you to it. <laughs> yeah, uh, but I always like taking the temperatures. Like, oh, you know, Fai's thinking this, Fai's thinking that. So yeah, what do you think? Uh, I actually think, you know, um, since my research is on breast cancer, I think I'm leaning towards oncology. Okay, uh, but who knows? Like. I believe that you cannot really make an informed decision on what you want to do for the rest of your life until you actually get a first-hand experience of that. That's very wise. Yeah. Not I too mean, many people feel that way, though. I mean... Well, a lot of people do, I guess. Yeah. A lot of people say, you know, it's really cool to operate on a human being that's open in front of me and try to fix them. I mean, yeah, that... That sounds like surgery, but have you actually operated on an open human being in front of you? Have mm -hmm. you seen how it feels? You know, until I do that, I cannot really say that I would like to do surgery because, yeah, the concept is so cool, but yeah. who knows? Yeah, well, plus, how's it feel? It was like 3 o'clock in the morning. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean... Uh, and you're, you're lacking sleep and you missed some family event. Yeah, it's I mean, a lot as, Aside from yeah. the lifestyle, yeah. it's, yeah. Just, it's just... The, the material of the of the of the specialty itself. Mm -hmm. Am I really interested in it? Do I know I'm really interested in it before I, I've actually experienced it? So mm -hmm. um, I don't know. Yeah, I would like to start medical school with an open mind before I. That's what I preach to everyone. Have an open <laughs> mind. You're going to be exposed to a lot of different fields and doctors and different labs, and it's kind of it's it's beautiful and hard because you don't really have to pick quote unquote pick until like your last year of med school. Yeah. Um, my, my my sister actually initially wanted psychiatry, and she ended up in radiology. So that's that's where I learned my lesson that you never know. You never know. <laughs> yeah. Well, is she still happy with radiology? She's very happy. Because yeah. like psychiatry is great. We, we welcome all people into <laughs> psychiatry. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's uh, different. Yeah, I think it's, I think the med school experience is informative, and I think it helps most of the time. But you know, residents. You know, interns, they start the residency and, you know, there's a, there's a group that doesn't like it and they switch. And so there's some switching that goes around even GME. Yeah. That's harder to do, but it still happens. So, Makes sense. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. All right. So, Fadi, any, any advice to someone listening out there and they're thinking about going to med school and they're not sure or they're not sure what to do? What advice would you give them? Yeah. Um, I, I kind of mentioned this before that, you know, 
there's nothing wrong in starting your journey um, with I don't know box checking, but mm-hmm. uh, don't don't finish the journey like that. You know, these experiences are just supposed to guide you um, into a direction uh, you're interested in. Like you know, my supplemental instruction uh, experience guided me to other uh, teaching uh, experiences. Um, so it's you know just just do what makes sense for you don't do what looks cool for medical schools because i'm sure medical schools can look deeper into your application and see that you know who you are as a person not as an you know just an applicant and it does it does look like medical schools i mean you you probably have much more insight on this uh, it looks like medical schools are moving away from just focusing on numbers mm-hmm. and uh, they're moving more towards choosing uh, applicants that are um, humans mm-hmm. uh, people who are well rounded able to speak to a person and you know relate to them um, and that makes sense because uh, if if you're just going to Except students who did well on exams. Um, what if these students, what if these people are not, you know, are not that relatable, are not able to speak to a patient and make them feel at ease? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, if it's just about knowing information and doing well on exams, uh, you would have, you know, a computer treat these patients, but that's not the case. Uh, so, yeah, just do experiences that make sense for you and you know, be a human, not just a test taker. Yeah. Awesome. Well, Fadi, congratulations. We'll have to have you come back on as you progress in your journey to become a doc. And I would just be curious to see how it's going in the next few years. Yeah. All right. Thanks, Fadi. Thank you. Thanks for listening to Talking Admissions and Med Student Life with Dr. Benjamin Chan, the ultimate resource to help you on your journey to and through medical school. A production of the Scope Health Sciences Radio online at thescoperadio.com.